0: I'm Catherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. In this episode, our third installment on spiritual abuse during Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month with guest Amy Fritz, host of the Untangled Faith podcast, we will talk a lot about what it's like trying to explain spiritual abuse and maybe some helpful ways to share what this experience is like with someone who might not understand it. I didn't mention this on the other two episodes of this season because... I forgot, but we're doing a donation gift this month. I had my first novel released in October 2021, and I'm gifting an inscribed signed copy to anyone who gives a donation to Tears of Eden of $25 or more, or becomes a monthly donor of any amount. My novel, Hartford's, is a delightful romantic comedy that, at first glance, appears to have nothing to do with spiritual abuse. However, art specifically writing, was a huge reason why I never fully disintegrated from myself while growing up in a cult. Art has also been a huge part of my healing process after leaving not one, but two spiritually abusive communities. For those of us who work in activism, we know how important it is to just get a glimpse of beauty and have an opportunity to just relax, which is exactly what I hope this book will be for you. Our guest today is Amy Fritz. She is the host of the Untangled Faith podcast, where she provides space and encouragement for those who want to hold on to their faith while untangling it from all that isn't good and true. Amy is passionate about educating people about spiritual abuse and advocating for those who have been hurt in their faith communities. Before we start the interview, I do apologize for the poor sound quality in this episode. There was something dreadfully wrong with my mic. I did the best I could to salvage it, but it's rough nonetheless. Here is my interview with Amy Fritz. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. doing well. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. I am happy to be here. I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I mention um, Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month to you when we were chatting at all?
1: I do not know if you
0: did. Okay, I'm just trying to organize it a little bit. So we're just like organizing just a massive social media campaign of trying to do some sort of awareness, but there has to be some education too, because it's yeah. not the Me Too movement. People say sexual abuse; most folks know about it. Yeah.
1: Spiritual abuse feels a lot more. It feels harder to nail down. And sort of like that know. Jello you can't nail to the wall. It's, it's it's more tricky, and it's hard to get people to really understand. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is a real thing because mm-hmm. you you can't really see it, you know.
0: Yeah, it's subtle, and and a lot of times, if we just are referring to the evangelical community, it looks like Christianity, and it's
1: like
2: laced
0: yeah. in biblical language, and a lot of it's just like what we're used to, so it's yeah. very hard to like parse it out. What is something you wish people knew about spiritual
1: abuse? Oh, yeah. What do I wish people knew? About spiritual abuse, I think I wish that they knew that there is a continuum of what it looks like. And you may be picturing something different than I'm picturing when we're having that conversation. So I think it's important to define what people are thinking of. Abuse is a really powerful emotional word. And it sometimes will shut off people's brains because they have this idea that if it's not, doesn't leave a mark it's not abuse or they feel personally attacked. Like if they, that it's somehow leaving them open to risk of losing influence or power or relationships, if they step into this and it feels like there's certain political sides that would support abuse survivors than others. So you feel like if, if I vote this way, or I go to this kind of church Mm-hmm. then i i can't step into this world and i wish people would realize that that's not true that that's <laughs> absolutely not true there and any organization any system any person can be abusive is not owned by the conservative world that they are abusive and progressives right. aren't no anybody mm-hmm. <laughs> both sides and i wish People would understand. I think that's what I wish mostly that people would understand, and that they would be curious about it. Like approach it with a, "What can I learn about this? What don't I know mm-hmm. that I should know?"
0: Why do you think people shut down when they hear the word of abuse?
1: Because they don't understand it, and they think. I really think it has to do with cost for them for, I I say them as if it's this us versus them thing. If you haven't experienced it personally or acknowledged that you've experienced it personally, you have heard stories of false allegations and you have this idea that there are a lot of people that are being accused of things falsely. Mm-hmm. and that just really isn't the case. Yeah. Something else I wish I could tell people is that there is nothing really to gain by somebody saying I have been abused, whether it was spiritually, emotionally, physically, sexually, like you don't get anything from that. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, <laughs> I can't think cost of is
0: greater for the person claiming the abuse yeah. than it is yeah. For anyone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but it's on the top of my brain. So no, when you say. said
0: that about people, like their brains shut off when they hear the word abuse, I just, <laughs> I, I remember that being a big thing. I left a spiritually abusive church in California a couple of years ago. And I remember that just being like, they just like, as soon as anyone said that word, like the elders, anyone they were just like shut down you know it was yeah, just it's, it crazy. stops
1: the conversation yeah. and I think in
0: but it was abuse and so it was like you just could not win because yeah. it was like they could not go
1: there yeah. but that's what it was and so- I think it's especially hard to go there as a faith community as a faith leader and organizations. And this is one reason why in 2019, after my husband resigned from his job at Ramsey solutions, we were doing a lot of reading about narcissistic organizations. We were you know, listening to Diane Langberg. She had that video narcissism and the system it breeds. I had listened to her video many times. And so Nathan just started looking for things. And I talked about this on our podcast episode that came out today on my podcast and he found this this journal article that was about narcissism and organizational narcissism and virtue, something like this, and I will send you a link to it later. And it was so interesting because it showed that organizations that see themselves as particularly good mm-hmm. have a really, really hard time acknowledging when they aren't. Mm-hmm. And it talked about Arthur Anderson, which is the accounting firm that did accounting for Enron and remember, Enron was involved in like this big scandal and Arthur Anderson was found to be shredding all this evidence. But at the same time, Arthur Anderson was known for being this really ethical place. In fact, they even had like they even did consulting to other companies and how to teach them how to be. Uh, And so uh, the idea that they weren't ethical, it doesn't compute. Cause you're teaching other people how to be ethical. So we can't be people that are doing that same thing is true with churches and, mm-hmm. you know, religious communities, any sort of thing is that if part of your identity is that we are good, mm-hmm. if somebody comes in and says, but maybe we aren't, yes. <laughs> it threatens the whole, it threatens the whole thing,
0: which is why. When people speak out about abuse in churches, they're accused of tearing down the church. Like, yeah. no, 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 it's already there.
1: You can't separate the, yeah. uh, the problem from the entire system. Mm-hmm. That that's a really interesting reaction when people have that. Because it gives you an idea of how they view if if it's a if it's a concern someone's raising about a church, and the response is, how could you say that? And like cause, you know, harm Mm -hmm. to our church. I think it tells you how they view the whole, the whole system. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking of this as a place that is very shepherding to people. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about a place that's propping up an institution and propping up a leader. But Mm -hmm. that, I don't really see that model in scripture. (laughs) I think our whole system for how we do church, particularly in the white evangelical American church, it, it lends itself really easily to abuse because we have agree that with you. Rock star CEO up on the stage
2: mm-hmm.
1: and everyone there is there to serve that platform and also like the image of the church and to get more people in and to make it bigger mm-hmm. and more influential and to have more power. And like there's money, you know, there's incomes that are tied into all of that. And it, and it gets really messy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, when when it's all about that, how do we serve people that are hurting?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you aren't going to value people that. Because they're not if, making
0: it look good.
1: Yeah. If they're not able to be in the building,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if they are immunocompromised and are unable to be in the building because of the pandemic right now, say they have had a heart transplant and they would need to be really careful. Mm hmm. I think that the pandemic season has really some really big flaws in, in the health of our church systems. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that when you're under crisis Yeah, and that comes out when someone says, I have a concern, I'm raising my hand to say, I think something might be wrong. Mm-hmm. And if the reaction is defensiveness instead of introspection and humility, mm-hmm. then that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. it's really hard. It's really, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's Mm -hmm. hard for anybody to, for you to come to me and say, Hey, Amy, I have some concerns. I would be like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it, but I need to hear it. Mm -hmm. I really, I really do need to hear it. I had somebody message me my first season of my podcast and say that I had handled something in a way that hurt them. Mm -hmm. And I could have said, you don't get it. I didn't mean it. You don't understand now that would not have served what my whole Mm -hmm. Purposes, Mm -hmm. and I had to say, I had to think about it and say I was wrong,
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and
1: I am not the example. But I have heard Rachel Den Hollander talk about looking for safe churches, and one thing that she suggests to people looking for a safe faith community is when they go into one is to ask the leaders how they have messed up. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you've messed up in the past, and especially if they don't end up being the hero of the story. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Like we were the villains. Nobody wants to think they're the villain in this.
0: I had someone ask me like, what do I do? Like they were like starting a new church, looking at a new church, and they were like, What do I? I'm gonna meet with elders. What should I ask them? And I sent them a list of questions and they were like I don't think that they're going to pass. <laughs> I was like, probably not because most of
2: them are going to. Yeah. Like, I
1: and we don't want to be those people, right? You don't want to show yeah. up somewhere and all of a sudden be on the list of difficult people.
0: Especially really that hard. starting out, starting out, yeah. but in my opinion, better to find out now than <laughs> two years on the road. That's
1: yeah. True. It's hard. I think it's hard to balance the, there's no such thing as a perfect church and the I'm not looking for perfect. I'm looking for healthy. Yes. Or healthy ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> moving toward moving in yeah. the right direction.
0: And hold um, like this tension of like, this church may serve for a couple of years. Yes. It may not.
1: Yeah. And it might what if we, I that. don't, somebody said this, somebody smarter than me said, what if we really blessed people in that and said, we bless you and send you on your way. Like, mm-hmm. we are so glad you were here for what you needed. We are now at that church for this next season. Mm-hmm. And we are so glad that you're going to find something that is. Yeah. We are not real good at that.
0: Nope. Yeah. No. You
1: asked me the definition of spiritual abuse. And I think that is a really, it's a hard one to define. Yeah. But one of my favorite books is um, this escaping the maze of spiritual abuse. And I, Ooh, that I, haven't even, I have not even, woo! Okay, I know like, you haven't heard this of it. It is space. How is I why you haven't it? heard of it? It's Okay. It was published in um, Great Britain. <laughs> but so they're going to use like examples from from there. But it's Lisa Oakley and Justin Humphreys. They're super super smart. And actually got my podcast <laughs> on that side <laughs> on that side of the pond. Yes. They are oh, ahead of amazing. the they are ahead of us. Oh well, yeah, they're like ten years ahead. in some ways. Yeah, um, but so they really are talking about coercive control as being abuse, and okay. not just in like this nefarious way of talking about it, but like actual legal ramifications, and that is part of. So yeah, oh my gosh, and so I love their I love their definition because they talk about how really it is coercion and control in a spiritual environment
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, it can go either way, but usually it has to do with somebody that has power either by their position or, you know, maybe because of like who they are at a mm-hmm. church, you know, you can be a spiritually abusive person and have power over someone by the fact that you are a, a large donor to the mm-hmm. church. Oh yeah. 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 So I'm- if you have power and generally it's going to be it. It's going to be some sort of a. It's not going to be a one-off. It'll be sort of a systematic, yeah, you know, pattern of behavior, and so you know, it's it's not the same as somebody hurt my feelings. They want to chalk
0: it up to you and and I've even heard people say, "Well, anything's abuse these days." Or, anything's yeah. abuse. Days. Actually, no. I think it's more. We're just more aware of what yeah. actually is abuse, and we're
1: just yeah. hearing about it more. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're talking about it more. I think some people can tend to label things really quickly. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be quick to put that label on there, but regardless of what you call it, Mm -hmm. we want to be healthy communities, healthy people. Mm -hmm. And if we are doing something that is somebody is saying is hurting them, we should be open to hearing that
0: regardless
1: of the label they put on it. Like we might be saying, but I didn't abuse you Mm -hmm. who let's, let's, let's just take the word off the table. What did I do that hurt them? And how might I be wrong?
0: Mm-hmm. How can well,
1: I get right? that is, that's one hand. And
0: in the spiritual abuse conversation, there are two different like categories because you can be a good person and abuse people with yeah. good intentions.
1: Yeah.
0: Then there are people who are abusers and they do not think they are abusive. Like those yeah. people, they're so twisted in their mind. Like they believe you deserve this this treatment. And so they're never going to be able to acknowledge or accept or understand. And so you if you're dealing with one of those, you're going to get gaslighting, you're going to get victim blaming that like that's going to happen. And then you're dealing with these other people who could potentially respond. Well, if you do bring it up, or, you know, address it with them, and you don't know what you're dealing with, if yeah. you do want to bring it up in a system, yeah. or with a person, and it's so complex, and it's so confusing. You may already know this, but the Uncertain Podcast is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a nonprofit that serves as a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. This podcast and the work of Tears of Eden are supported by donations from generous listeners like you. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider giving a donation by using the link in the show notes or visiting tearsofeden.org slash support. You can also support the podcast by rating and leaving a review and sharing on social media. If you're not already following us, please follow us on Facebook at Tears of Eden and Instagram at Uncertain Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And now back to the show. How did you come to your understanding of spiritual abuse? What was the journey? There's a story there.
1: (laughs) I think the story is a similar story to a lot of other people's stories who are interested in spiritual abuse, because this isn't something somebody sees and goes, well, this is a really fun topic. I'm going to learn everything I can about it. No, I don't think that's Oh, it normally happens. I think what happens is someone gets hurt Mm -hmm. or they experience it. Somebody close to them experiences it, or they experience some sort of spiritual, you know, church hurt, spiritual abuse. And then they're like, I, I want somebody named it. You realize what it is. And you're like, okay, I want to learn about this. I am going to read all the things I'm going to listen to all the things. So while I would love to think that people go into this proactively, I think people fall into it and they trip into learning about it. I think they limp into it while they are bleeding out on the side of the road, wondering Mm -hmm. what just happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts with what just happened to me. And I want to understand it. And then it can often move to how can I help other people and how can we make this not happen Mm -hmm. again? Mm Mm-hmm. So that, that's how I found myself there. And yeah, I've experienced different levels of it in different ways and in volunteering and ministry settings, I've had people shame me for, you know, resigning from volunteering. I have been in a situation where prayer has been weaponized against me. (laughs) You know, somebody, you know, I was, I was at a committee meeting once where I had told the leader that I was needing to step back and not serve anymore. And I was going to be telling everybody at the meeting. And in that meeting, she shared a devotional about faithfulness and how it meant like never quitting. <laughs> much. And I'm like, I feel like this message is meant for me. Oh goodness. It, it, you know, I mean, and those sometimes at a certain point, I felt like I am being shamed for not serving. and I, I had experiences of being shamed for like mentioning an opinion I had that was different than someone else's. Mm-hmm. you know saying I don't really like such and such a thing. And that gets turned into this big spiritual like, you know, I am the bad guy against the work of Jesus and yeah. on a on a bigger, you know and when I say it like that, it feels like like stupid <laughs> and like these one-off things. But in that situation, in that relationship, it was like a pattern of like shaming behavior. I was like, I just can't, I just can't do it anymore. And, and like not respecting my boundaries. And that was a clear thing. Like when I put a boundary up, it just did not like it. They didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And that was a good indicator that it was an unhealthy situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. And in our experience with Dave, Dave Ramsey's organization, My husband worked there from 2012 until 2019 and, you know, we thought it was great, but the more we, you know, we started to have some red flags. And then when we finally left, we became the us versus them. We were the them outsiders Mm -hmm. and, you know, portrayed as agents of Satan you know, cause, cause the you
0: know, organization is like a Christian organization. Yeah. Yeah. And we no, are, he, you know, I, and
1: oftentimes good. like in team meetings, you know, those, those team members would sit there and I've heard recordings of the team meeting. So I, even though I didn't work there, I can say this, I've heard recordings where they, Dave will characterize pushback against the organization or himself personally, as the liberal atheist association of America, just coming after them. And, oh you know, we love Jesus and we want to help people and these people don't. And so when you mix your faith into that, like who wants to be the one to say, well, I kind of agree with the pushback. I said, yeah. Cause then you end up being like characterized as the person against the work of Jesus in this mm-hmm. organization. Yeah. And yeah. So shortly after we left, well, about a year after we left, they gathered everyone together. Well, a big group of people together to say what a threat we were to them mm-hmm. and their good work and their family's income.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question about that? Because it is related. I feel like yeah, it's in, the, in the church, spiritual abuse conversation a lot too. Yeah. So it's pretty public. Some of the stuff that's gone down with Ramsey's yeah. organization, yet so many people still are using that method. I'm just talking about the financial stuff the they're using that method they're teaching it in class you know churches i saw you know a church put up an advertisement you know day yeah. friends you know financial whatever it calls financial peace is that what it's called um, financial
1: peace university yes yeah
0: yeah we're like doing the classes or whatever how because this is what where, the, where it gets tricky is it's like you know yeah this guy was abusive but what they taught was so good like how do you reconcile that for yourself? What do you think of that? Posture? Oh
1: man, <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a good question because I think you could ask the same question of anybody that has that's using that's come out of Hillsong. You know, how many churches use their music or Bethel? Mm-hmm. We've heard of a lot of abusive, uh, unhealthy things coming out of those organizations. How do we reconcile? A little different because, like Bethel music or Hillsong music,
0: or, like, a sermon, like, I can easily answer that and say, that's tainted. They're, they're, they're tainted. They're an abusive person. They're teaching. That's tainted. But this is money. Like, tell me (laughs) what you think of that.
1: (laughs) This is money. I think it's the same. I think it's (laughs) the same thing. I think we justify what we want to justify. I'm careful about what I say, because I have Reason I have good reason to believe that the Ramsey organization is very litigious, and I don't want to interfere with their business. I don't want them to say I have gone after. So I'm not going to go to churches and yeah. people and say this don't is my story, and yeah. that you this is what's happening, and you need to not use them. Um,
0: but you think it's the same thing? I've-
1: I I think it's I think it's the same. I think God can use anything. You know, everything is tainted in some way because we're all sinners. And I don't want to like sin level everything because there's bigger consequences to some things than to others. And bigger damage. Yeah. And so yeah, I would say if somebody were to come to me personally and say, what would you what do you think about churches using this? I would say, well, listen to the stories of what's happening and understand that the money that you're spending is funding a place that has been really abusive to a lot of people with no, I haven't seen any sign of humility or asking for forgiveness or saying I was wrong. And then I would say there are other options out there. If you want to do financial literacy with your church, you know, think about it, think, think, think over all of the options that are available to you. There's more than one option available, but I think we should ask that question about a lot of the things that we're doing and not just be on autopilot. I think the fact that somebody would even ask the question is such a great sign
2: mm-hmm.
1: because we all are individually responsible. We all have the Holy spirit. If we are followers of Jesus. And I really believe that if we are in good faith saying, Hey, Lord, show me what to do. Mm -hmm. What is the right thing here as somebody, if you're a leader of a church and you're choosing curriculum, I mean, you just do the next right thing that he, that he's showing you to do. And, and I can't say that every time it's going to be to not use FPU. I Mm -hmm. I know God has used it. I know, I absolutely know that he has, and it's changed people's lives, but I Mm -hmm. think God does that, you know, in spite of the other people involved and Mm -hmm. he doesn't need that curriculum right. To change someone's life. He doesn't need, he doesn't need song to change someone's life. He doesn't right. need Bethel music to mm-hmm. change someone's life. He may use that. And mm-hmm. he does, he does use those things. But if you were, I would push back against that. Well, so many people's lives are better because of X, Y, C. Well, I would say it's because of Jesus and the work mm-hmm. of the Holy spirit. If, if the rest of it falls away, yeah, he's no, it's not any harder. For you know, God to help somebody Mm -hmm. who's reaching out for Him, if He doesn't have these extra tools, like He's not like, oh, what am I going to do now? How are they ever going to get out of debt if they? How can I help that person get out of debt if they don't do FPU? I just don't see happening that way. The hand wringing happening that way is that a good like non? That's really good, and
0: I I would say that that's how I justify like for myself. I grew up in a very abusive home. And, and there's always, there's been, my abusers have said this, and then other people who enable and, you know, protect them say this also like, well, they fed you. Well, they provided for you. Well, you know, even the money situation, like they taught you good principles of money, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then my response is they don't get points for doing the basic thing that any parent is supposed to do. They don't get points for that, and that doesn't <laughs> erase, yeah, all of the abuse. It just doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I uh, sign. Yeah. Exactly. And so in this situation too, I'm like, first of all, you know, when you are, you're it, said it is an abusive pastor, and they're teaching, and they're and they're an abuser. Maybe they helped you, and I'm not saying that they didn't, but you have to be very careful.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's really hard. I,
0: I had several
1: people say, Hey, I mean, very rarely will someone say, Hey, would you support these people still? You know, yeah. that's, a, that's a hard question. Some of it is like, we really want someone to do that work for us to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have read the book cultish by Amanda Montell. She's Uh, not a believer, but it's all about language and how it's used to control people. It's so, so good. And she talks about how, you know, sort of this idea that millennials and I am, I am generation X, I'm too old to be a millennial, but we're told millennials were told you can do anything. You can be anything. The world is your oyster. Um, But at a certain point, all these options are overwhelming and maybe they come to a place where they're like, I just want someone to make that decision for me. (laughs) I want someone to tell me what to do. And I think we all have a little bit of that in us where we want someone to tell us what to do. So we are drawn to some of those unhealthy things that make those decisions. And so I think the same thing happens with, is it okay? I need someone to give me permission if I Mm. use this or don't use this or tell me not to use it. Mm -hmm. But one of the main, a really big hallmark of unhealthy leaders and situations is taking away someone's agency to decide things for themselves.
0: Absolutely.
1: And Uh, so I think to fight back, even as you are like educating people about things that are abusive, you need to be careful not to, to be that person that still takes away someone's agency and says, you can't do this. mm -hmm. And you, you, you have, you must do this. You need to be willing to be open-handed with the information that you share people and let them do what they're going to do with it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. And they make that choice with it, decide if they're going to hard.
1: It, it can be really hard. Cause you, yeah. you have an idea in your mind of what you want people to do with it. Mm-hmm. And they might not, and you can't force somebody mm-hmm. to believe something that they are not willing to believe
2: mm-hmm. or not ready. In a lot of cases, yeah.
1: yeah. And you know, maybe that person that you feel like is a lost cause right now in six months, they will be like right there with you. And mm-hmm. you would never have guessed because you just don't know what's going on in somebody's somebody's heart and what the Holy spirit is doing behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. I've seen that several times in, you know, in my own friendships mm-hmm. where I thought, oh goodness, mm-hmm. they are going to see me as the enemy for, mm-hmm. I don't know, forever. Mm-hmm. And then God did a work Yeah. and I had to not control it. <laughs> so mm-hmm.
0: just, I would say that that was like similar in my experience because I left a patriarchal cult, went into a complementarian denomination. I, I could not, my system couldn't have handled going from patriarchal cult to, you know, egalitarian. You know, like it couldn't yeah. handle that. I had to go through a misogynistic patriarchal complementarian denomination for several years to detox from the cults. And then it just took, it just took time, you know, like there, it just, it was a process and it was little people, little things along the way of people mentioning things to me or, you know, little yellow flags, little red flags, but it took 10 years, you know,
1: absolutely. Like my friend, I have a friend named Lydia and she calls this books on a shelf. What you're doing along the way with the things that you're saying like articles that you're sharing words that you are, are, you know, stories that you're, you know, relaying to people is you're putting books on their shelf Mm -hmm. and someday there's going to be so many books. (laughs) uh, It's going to fall or it's going to make a big, it's (laughs) going to make a difference. Like they're going to be like, Oh yeah, there was this and this and this and this, but you know, generally people can't hear the negatives about their own Place that is personal to them and tribe, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but you, but they are willing to hear about others, oh, for sure. So mm-hmm. if you can come at it from <laughs> a sideways, right? Sometimes people then they if they recognize it themselves without you saying it, it's like super powerful. So they think they're learning about Scientology
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: get to this next chapter in the book, and they're like, oh my word, that is
0: That's- us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: If, if I had been like, Hey, read this book about Scientology, but really it's about you. The walls would have been up. Yeah. But if you're like, Hey, you know, what do you think of this? What do you Mm -hmm. think of Nexium?"
0: No. And speaking of Nexium, as you were saying that, I was literally thinking like, I watched the vow on HBO about XIVM. And that was what allowed me to name my own upbringing as a cult, because it was a It didn't happen in a bunker. It didn't happen in a, in a, in a desert. It was professional people living in a neighborhood near you. There's
1: a lot of loaded language with the word cult and with abuse, but -hmm. it's all a continuum of Mm -hmm. like from healthy to unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And Steve Hassan, who is like the cult expert Mm -hmm. says, you know, a healthy organization is open to scrutiny and it will stand up to scrutiny it's not hiding anything and it's okay it like regardless are you of where you are in the membership process whether you're brand new and I think this was in the cultish book by Amanda montel that I read and she might have been quoting dr Hassan but no matter where you are in that process they are wide open to critique they're okay with it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. or questions so mm-hmm. whether you're new whether you are you know just checking them out whether you're a member or a longtime member mm-hmm. like you should be they should be okay with scrutiny Mm -hmm. it should it should not be a threat Mm -hmm. and they should hold up it should hold up to scrutiny
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely no yeah and I think that's a good sign to 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 be watching for I know I know we've kind of danced around it a little bit but how would you define spiritual abuse for someone who just walked up to you on the street and was like what is spiritual abuse (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm making noise here. Cause I have my notebook here. What? Okay. So I love the definition from, from this book by Dr. Lisa Oakley and Justin Humphreys. And they say, and Scott McKnight has written about this as well. I love Scott McKnight, but he said that spiritual abuse is a form of emotional and psychological abuse. So it is like a subset of emotional and psychological abuse. And it's characterized by a systematic and pattern of course of and controlling behavior in a religious environment. And so there has to be some sort of religious component to it, but really it's emotional and psychological abuse that's happening connected to your faith in some way. Yeah. Um, what Will you say the name of the book again? Yeah, it is Escaping the Maze of Spiritual Abuse, Creating Healthy Christian Cultures by Dr. Lisa Oakley and Justin Humphreys. I will send you a link to that so you can. Okay. Uh, I will add it in so the yeah, and I have like underlined. Yeah, books. I would get to read it because there are some books. Yeah, but yeah, know and, you know, it. I mean, I think people were like, Well, what does that mean? Well, it, you know, it looks like manipulation, it looks like boundary crossing, it looks like censoring somebody's ability to make their own decisions, it looks like the inability to ask questions and requiring obedience to a leader, unquestioning. Mm-hmm. So, and
0: one thing that I think people need to recognize too in a, in a christian identifying environment in a church environment this isn't always going to look like someone coming at you aggressively it might look really nice Yeah, they might be smiling like they might frame it in a way that it sounds like it's for your good oh yeah um, so it's not always going to be someone shaking their fist at you
1: yeah and, and- it, it- it's not, that. and it's not about intent either. Cause they may think it's for your good too. Even if it's not,
0: mm-hmm. they might actually think that they are doing. And that, that honestly, I would say most cases of spiritual abuse, it is someone thinking that they have your best interest at heart. Yeah. And, and so that's why like that idea of agency, if they're trying to take away your agency and your choice, let that be a yellow flag. Just
1: like, yeah. huh. Yeah, there's a flag on the fly there. Yeah. Um, you know, I I I'm not an expert on it, student. I am well, not all things. No one is, no, there are That's experts it. in this, but like I just read a lot. I listen to survivors and I listen to a lot of really smart people who understand it. You know, people that are trauma informed, people that have been in in the thick of it and like I defer to their judgment on this sort of thing and that's how they define it. I would not be able to come up with a great definition of my own. I'd be like, ah, I think I know what it is, but I can't really explain it. What do survivors need? Oh, I love that question. I think survivors, first of all, they need, well, if they're, I'm going to say people coming out of Christian um, faith communities, they need a pastoral pastor. And what I mean by that is they need somebody I mean, if if a pastor, I would love to have a relationship with a pastor that says, I just want to pastor you and I don't even care if you're at my church. I care about your well-being. I care about you as a person, even if you can't, even if you're not tithing to my church, even if you're not signing up for all the things. I think a lot of time churches do this thing where if you are not, you know, a part of their community, you're not a part of their, You're not seen as brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. even though we're all believers. I mean, that not everybody is, but like, if you consider yourself a Christian and you go to a different church or you're not at someone's church, it's like, they don't feel responsible for you. Mm -hmm. And it sure would be nice if it wouldn't be about who showed up so much as like, who has God put in my life?
2: Mm -hmm. and How can
1: I pastor them? What else do they need? I wrote down a few things. Yeah. I want a pastor to say you're valuable, even if you don't serve. On all the committees and survivors need just regular everyday believers that care about them more than they care about recruiting them to their church that aren't like over that aren't like all about just getting you in the church building. Mm -hmm. Uh, What hurting people need is somebody to love them Mm -hmm. right where they're at and with no agenda. Just show us Jesus. Show us what Jesus would do. Show us how Jesus would love us. Love us that way. That's not a big ask, is it? <laughs> just be like Jesus. It seems
0: like it could be simple. Yeah,
1: it sounds like a, a Sunday school answer, but
0: just be present.
1: Yeah. What if we just let people, and we didn't freak out about whether they're in the building or not?
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I would say, you know, I wish, you know, one of your questions was like, what would I tell, what would I tell like churches, church leaders? about spiritual abuse is I would say, listen, humility and introspection, it's going to require looking at how they have things set up and asking, are we a safe and healthy place and acknowledging that we are not able to acknowledge. We aren't able to evaluate how healthy we are ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's going to take somebody else taking a look because Mm -hmm. nobody thinks they're unhealthy. Nobody thinks they're abusive. And you're going to need to do this proactively before someone comes and says, this is really wrong, Mm -hmm. or I've been very hurt.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I would add to, if you are seeking to be present with people who have been wounded by the church or abused by the church, that it's very important to set aside the agenda Because people who've been abused by the church can smell that agenda a mile away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know when you're about to start a capital campaign. I know.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you have a requirement that I am on a certain, at a certain place in my walk with God, or I am attending, or I am, or that I say, I hope to come back to the church someday. You know, like if you have like this, you know, criteria for whether or not someone like fits the, fits the category, like mm-hmm. you're automatically going to be setting off alarms for someone because that's, that's a lot of the spaces that we've been in have this agenda. Like yeah. you have to look like this. You have to be like this. You're, you're not allowed to be in pain here.
1: Yeah. You need it's, to get over it. Cause this is really uncomfortable for us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> can't have you bleeding on the carpet that we just, Are we- out. sorry, <laughs> By committee. Right. <laughs> we don't have it on the
0: Sorry, we don't. Yeah.
1: No. I think, and yeah. I would say reach out to people that have left. Reach out in good faith and just say, I'm not trying to get you to come back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I want to know what we did wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you can't honestly, if, if you can't do that in good faith, don't do it because it's not helpful at all. Right. But if you are, and then really listen,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you can learn a lot from the people that. Maybe they just weren't your target demographic. And I know that sounds really businessy, but churches have a target customer Mm -hmm. and they need to recognize that. And either they need to not have one (laughs) or they need to get over being offended when somebody recognizes and like unselects themselves from your place, Mm -hmm. because like, how is that a single I was just thinking that i going to feel <laughs> when she shows up every week
0: and, and awesome. all she hears is about
1: this place is for young families and we really need, there's so many young families in this area and that's what we're here for. And if we're not reaching, like at a certain point, she's like, what am I even here for? Mm-hmm. You yeah. are not for me.
0: Yeah. And, and there is no shame in that woman or that man deciding this isn't the right place for me. I'm going to yeah. move on. Yeah. Like they're not, they're, Their faith is not in jeopardy because they are going to a different location. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Not on the spiritual abuse spectrum necessarily, but,
2: uh,
0: can, can contribute to these places not being safe for someone who's been wounded. Is there anything else you want to say that survivors to church? I
1: I would say to survivors, it's okay to be where you are. Ryan Ramsey talks about that a lot. I love listening to him. Have you listened to him? Mm-hmm. He writes, uh, he shares, he has a blog and he shares on Twitter a lot. I feel like he is our like Twitter chaplain mm-hmm. to the, the spiritually abused. And he said, you don't have to rush back into something. Mm-hmm. You can take your time. And it, it's okay. It's okay to take your time. I look at real healthy pastoral pastor models. I read Ryan Ramsey suggested reading a book by Eugene Peterson, and it was so good. I mean, he's dead now. I don't have to worry about him letting me down, right? <laughs> so I want to say it's not your fault, and you aren't just really bad at picking churches. Mm-hmm. No, it's no, not. no, no, no. Yeah, it's and not I, that you. will tell poorly. you. That. People will yeah. tell you.
0: The f- common denominator in all of these situations is you. Yeah, you please. must have a problem. No,
1: it's no, not right. A lot of problems right now, and. I think we really are going through a reckoning in our church structures, especially in North America. And who knows, I have no idea what it's going to look like, even in 10 years, the models of, you know, people showing up for church or not. It's, it's crazy. You know, even I think i had read an article that said like the, the big thing now is, is really the big thing is the small thing. Now there are a lot of really tiny churches Mm
2: -hmm. and I don't know if
1: that's happening purposefully in some ways as people aren't showing up, but in other ways, people are like, I would rather be in a small group
2: mm-hmm.
1: than in a big building. And that's going to turn the church growth industry kind of on its head. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, I, we're just beginning to see that. And then you can even see just the way that like the gospel coalition is responding to the deconstruction movement. They're freaking they, out. I feel
1: very defensive out. about it. It's oh, yeah. like they feel threatened. I've read some good stuff from the gospel coalition, but I've also read some things that really feel like they don't understand. Yeah. And when you have power and connection and you are in the comfortable chair, it's really hard to have empathy for the person that has none Mm -hmm. or that has been hurt by something that has benefited you greatly. And I'm really hoping for some introspection from People that have power and influence, industries, systems, to to say, okay, we're listening. Mm-hmm. I hope that happens. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, this has been great.
1: Yes, it <laughs> has you. been.
0: It's been fun as I'm interviewing people for spiritual abuse for the f- spiritual abuse episodes that are going to come out in January. It's so interesting how everyone's saying kind of similar things, but then also. Coming at it from different angles. Yeah. And it, we're getting this super cool, well rounded picture of like what this is and what yeah. people need. And I'm like really excited. Like I can't wait. I can't
1: wait to see how it all comes yeah, like, together.
0: Like just some super cool, super cool stuff. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate thank it.
1: Thank you, Catherine. I'll talk to you later.
0: Talk to you later. Bye bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org slash support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review, and don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Catherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time.